can get started. Ready, Steve? Okay. And welcome to our podcast, Sounding Off with, with Kim. No, just starting over. Ready? Okay. <laughs> and welcome to our podcast, Sounding Off with Kim Munson. Uh, be sure and check out my website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. On the line with me is one of the foremost healthcare policy experts in the country. She's a doctor, and that is Dr. Jill Vecchio. We've done a number of podcasts. I have people reach out to me and say that that these are so informative, they learn so much, and uh, they really appreciate them. So Dr. Jill Vecchio, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Kim. This is going to be a, one of our more important ones. They've all been really important, but this is really important. What are we going to talk about today, Jill? We're going to talk about uh, what I learned in Washington, D.C., about money, power, and politics, and why our elected officials, our elected representatives, don't do what we want or what they should do. Okay. The timing of this is pretty... (laughs) You think? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So you you went back to Washington, D.C. regarding health care policy uh, quite a bit. You read the complete Obamacare, uh, the unaffordable care legislation, and you learned a lot. So where do you want to begin? Well, we can start with that part right there. So I was with Docs for Patient Care, went to Washington, uh, met with uh, Speaker Boehner, um, the, the uh, legislative assistants for Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, and all the big guys. I mean, we were we were meeting with big people at that time, and that was obviously during Obama's um, regime, we'll say. Okay. And it was amazing to me how they could always find an excuse for not doing anything. Not That'll never pass. We could never do that. And that was the answer to really good recommendations and ideas. Mm-hmm. Nope, that, that'll never pass. Yeah, we can't do that. But, they, but they're listening to you. And the only way we got into those offices was if one of the docs wrote a $5,000 check, period. You don't get through the door without writing a check. Now, that being said, I didn't write checks. I just did. I got them information and got to know the congressman of Colorado well and did things, you know, like, like helped them out with messaging or something. And that's how I got a little better access. Okay. But otherwise, otherwise, it was like for Boehner, one of the one of the docs wrote a five thousand dollar check at a fundraiser, and then Boehner, Boehner was very interested in meeting him. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it, it was it was. I found out I was shocked at how dirty and filthy the whole thing was, almost immediately. One of the blue dog Democrats who was with the group that opposed abortion, that was holding out against Obamacare. He was a good friend of one of our docs. I won't say where it was from. Nancy Pelosi threatened to, quote, out him. Whether or not it was true doesn't matter. Pelosi was going to tell the country, announce to the country, that he was cheating on his wife with multiple other men and doing drugs at a boarding house in Washington, D.C., if he didn't go along with Obamacare. So, what oh, Okay, now, Jill, I just, I mean, that is a quite a, a comment. You... Yes. Feel confident you can back that up? Uh, well, from the source. So this is... A source you trust? Yes, very much. Okay. And I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to name any states. 
but this is how they operate. So I have done a bunch of research, watched Peter Schweitzer is a great one to watch Mm -hmm. for the legislation. So that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to go through how ugly and nasty and filthy this whole system is that we have allowed to develop, mostly because we didn't know it existed, Mm -hmm. right? Peter Schweitzer has been the best source for exposing how a lot of this corruption works in Washington, and we're seeing it, and we saw it January 6th. So let's let's get started, right? I mean, plenty of people, good people, run for office, and they seem like they want to go in there and change Washington. We're going to clean up the swamp, right? How many times do you yeah. It's mm-hmm. not going to be business as usual, blah, blah, blah. So we, we elect these people. They go to Washington. It's wonderful. Um, and we're like, yay, we finally have somebody that's going to be on our team. How many people that were Tea Party, quote, Tea Party candidates from around the country went to Washington? And uh, then it just kind of went away, right? Let's find out why. Okay. This comes from personal conversations I've had with congressmen. And I'm not going to say from where or who they are. The first thing you learn, but you know what? This is also in Ken Buck's book that he wrote during the swamp. And I highly recommend that people read that. It's an excellent book. It's a quick read, but it talks exactly about this. This isn't, this is out there now. Um, and, and the Republican Party allowed, right? They allowed Ken Buck to write this book, which is kind of odd. But anyway, they learn right away. When you get into Congress as a, as a junior congressman or senator, I'm just going to use Congress to cover both those terms because technically it does. So House of Representatives versus Senator Congressman. So when you get into Congress, you find out right away that you're nothing. You don't go anywhere unless, number one, you raise money for the party. You raise money for the Republican Party. That's what you have to do. If you don't raise enough money for the Republican Party then you don't get on the right committees, you don't get any position on these committees, no legislation that you want to bring forward will ever go even to committee, let alone beyond, period. It's all about fundraising. The next thing is, if you turn out to be a troublemaker, like the Freedom Caucus, right, mm-hmm. when, or in the Tea Party kind of caucus group early on, you are attacked, you are threatened, you don't get the committee members, you know, you don't get on the committees, the same thing. You're punished. If you try to raise any trouble, if you try to buck the system in any way, the system is all about money, power, seniority. That's why we don't get, that's why we still have Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, because they, it's an ingrained system where whoever's been there the longest, raises the most money, has the most power, it's their turn next. Right? Okay, question. How many times we've seen, have we seen that? This plays into the narrative then, term limits, term limits, term limits. I, exactly. I'm, I'm not convinced on term limits. I believe the American people need to be the ones to step up and uh, ex- and do term limits at the ballot box. But even if we you do have term limits on uh, people that we elect, the bureaucratic state has no term limits, and those people stay there. They're unaccountable. They get paid big salaries, big pensions, and uh, that's where we really need to start, I think, 
Jill, what's your thoughts? Oh, yeah, and we can talk about ideas for, for fixing all this stuff but at, the, at the end as well, but absolutely. Term limits, yes. So why? Why are these bureaucrats still there? You know what? I, it, I ask people to read The Prince. Machiavelli's The Prince. Because Machiavelli has such a bad reputation, right, for going in and cleaning house. Well, I tell you what, you need to go in and clean house sometimes. Because these deep state players, federal, the idea that a government employee can never be fired, and it still exists. Now, in the VA, Trump cleaned that up a lot. But it still exists in every department. Number one, why do we have so many departments? Why do we have so many people? Why, why is so much money spent on the deep state? And I can explain that to you. Um, but, you know, why, why do these people have this much power? There's a lot to be said for house cleaning. And that's what Mac- Machiavelli, that's one of the things he reiterated over and over. If you want to accomplish something, you got to clean house. When you get into power, you got to clean house. So when people say something's Machiavellian, it's kind of like, well, that ain't all bad in my opinion, because you do have to clean house. You need to have people around you that are not going to, to subvert and work against everything you're trying to do. Now, that being said, you want also, <laughs> for that to be a good thing, you need to have good people in office, and that's what we're talking about here. You need to get good people in office, and in order to get good people in office that are going to do the right thing, they have to be motivated to do not what power and money dictate that they should do. They need to do what the voters who put them in office want them to do. Okay, now let me just, let's make a clarification there. And when we say the voters put them in office, the things that they pass, though, needs to pass the muster of the Constitution and the vision of the Declaration. Because if the voters say, we want to get rid of all people with red hair, and they vote 51% to do that, and they're going to elect somebody that wants to do that, you still have to wait, hold on. In America, we have private property rights. We have this right of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So when we say what the voters want, it has to be within the vision of the American idea, the Constitution and the Declaration. Oh, no, absolutely. And and as Ben Franklin said, right, uh, when the woman asked him in 17, I can't remember, it was 78 or 79 or something. What kind of government did you give us, Mr. Franklin? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. No. Everything that I'm talking about depends on us putting moral people into office. And, and it's in all of the Federalist Papers, what do they keep saying over and over again? This system of government will not work if corrupt people are allowed to run the government. And that's what we have. We're in a constitutional crisis, not because of exactly what's happening now. We're in a constitutional crisis because corrupt individuals who are amoral, immoral, have been allowed to assume posititions of extreme power throughout our government. And that's they don't want to give it up. Crisis. Once they get it, they don't want to give it up. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I mentioned the, the issue with Nancy Pelosi and this congressman threatening, threatening to out him um, 
if he didn't go along with Obamacare. And I guess my next question is, is was that a fabrication or was it true? Uh, I haven't talked to that congressman personally myself. Okay. But I spoke with the a good friend of mine who is a good friend of his. Okay. And that's how I got that information. Okay. So we'll leave it at that, right? Okay. So, okay. You know, I couldn't go to a court of law and have it pass, right? Okay. <laughs> but it's hearsay. Hearsay. Okay. 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 That being said, I don't think it's a stretch for people to believe that threatened, threats are made against politicians from the leadership powers in their parties if they don't go along with things. Um, families can be threatened. There could be blackmail. There, um, I believe, and this is my opinion, that we're going to find out that that level, the, black, the level of blackmail that occurs in Washington, D.C., is far deeper and uglier than we imagine. Now, th- this is hearsay, but it makes sense. Somebody told me that that uh, they gave advice to new people as they were going to Washington, whether or not it would be um, a justice or a politician or what it is, is be very careful about which parties you go to uh, and be very careful about that because somebody could slip something in your drink, you could then end up passed out or whatever with compromising pictures taken and then they've right. got that and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that yeah that probably could happen right i mean you know but most people have seen the movie the firm with tom cruise where they set him up when he's down in I can't remember jamaica or something like that um oh uh well, i can't remember shoot uh i don't any some tropical island they set tom cruise up because you know he's, he's uncorruptible so they set him up with a woman, uh, they take pictures, and then blackmail him so that he plays along with their mafia connections, right? This, this kind of thing, this is an old trick. I mean, this isn't anything new. Why we think that it wouldn't happen in Washington is crazy naive. And just like you said, they slip you a drink, get you into a compromising position, take pictures, they've got you. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. One little evening, one party. Now... To support that, there um, there is a movie, Conspiracy of Silence. It was done by the BBC in 19, what was it, 1989, I believe. You can find it on YouTube, the uncut version. Um, and it's that I, I recommend that every single person that can watch this watch it. It takes there are two conspiracies of silence things when you look on YouTube, but it's Conspiracy of Silence has to do with Boys Town, Nebraska, in Omaha, Nebraska, where kids from Boys Town were being used as party boys specifically for this purpose. They interview them. There was a huge court case. One of them talks about being taken to the White House, and this includes Democrats and Republicans, being taken to the White House, for after party and little tour after party and and this is actually I mean this was printed the Omaha World Herald this isn't this is stuff that's been out there for decades this is 1989 
So this stuff has been going on for decades. So, uh, you know, why we're just now hearing about this again, I asked my dad if he'd heard anything about it, you know, in Iowa, and he said, ah, I vaguely remember something. <laughs> but, but there were court cases, um, investigations. This went on for a long time. And there are accusations that the FBI covered it up. The FBI may have been behind it. I mean, I'm, now I'm throwing stuff out there that people, not just me, but other people are saying, yeah, this seemed to really be the case. I mean, they had investigators. This was a big deal in 1989, and nothing ever happened with it. There are plenty of people who believe that that is still going on and that perhaps that's why Trump is so focused on human sex trafficking. Anyway, to get rid of it, I'm throwing I'm mm-hmm. throwing I'm throwing big stuff out there, folks. But I'm just saying there's stuff going on that we have not been told about for a long time. And it's really time that if we're going to have the Great Awakening, we need to wake up to some very ugly things. Now, I might be you may choose not to have this podcast, <laughs> not to post this after we're done. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to get worse than this. Right. Okay. What we just said. OK, but I'm going to put some things together. But this, this, you have to under, if, if these politicians want the power and they have money and they have connections, then they have to assure that they won't be outed, that everybody else is going to play along. And once they get them to play along, then they can addict them to the power and money that they will then have as a member of the uh, cool club. Right. Mm-hmm. Once once these politicians get a taste of sitting at the cool table and making millions of dollars, because let's face it, how many of them go in with some money, but not a lot of money and come out as multi-millionaires, mm-hmm. multi-multi-millionaires, multiple houses, multiple. Right. Yeah. Once you get it, once you get hooked on that drug, it's uh, it's hard to let go. So and and if you're. <laughs> allowing all of this illegality to go on knowingly, then you're part of the problem. You know, you are just as guilty as the rest. Mm-hmm. So you, you're now you are sucked in and you're locked in and you can't do anything about it. That's the thing that uh, that happens when people and it's difficult. We're human beings uh, to stand on principle, when you have a lot of different voices coming at you saying, well, just just compromise here, just work across the aisle here. This doesn't, is this really the place that you want to, you know, uh, put your stake in the ground? I mean, it's not that big a deal. But then once you start down that road, how do you get back to standing on principle? Exactly. Exactly. Without without risking exposure. Right. And, and one of the ultimate frustrations of mine, and I'm sure yours, because we've talked about this, is we elect these people to represent us, and they're not representing us. They will sell the country out. They will sell Colorado out. They will sell out the American people just to protect their own political careers and their own personal uh, positions. And, and how many times do we see that? Just, well, just 
two days ago, right? I mean, you know, every their political career, their fortune, them, they themselves personally is more important than representing the American people. Okay, I'm going to just ask you a question, and you, you are referring to January 6th of 2021. Uh, just to clarify, you're you're not talking about President Trump. You're talking about others, correct? Oh, yes. I'm talking about others. I'm talking about everybody but President Trump. You want to talk about somebody who's sacrificed for the American people. What he has done and what the good guys around him have done is I, there is no way to repay their sacrifice. I mean, it's it's ranks up there with military service, definitely. And what I find so interesting, somebody said to me with Trump, he has brought clarity to, he's brought clarity to the issues, and you can look across the spectrum on that. But he's also brought clarity to uh, people's character. And here we are, at, as we're recording this, um, what, let's see, today is the 8th, and so we're 12 days out from the inauguration. And you now see cabinet members that are jumping ship. And uh, I tell you, I, I, I feel for the man. He's got to feel like he's really being stabbed in the back. At the same time, all of us are seeing, all of those of us who are paying attention and waking up to how things work, are now seeing who's the good guy and who's not. Mm-hmm. Right, who, clarity to those issues. Who is going to stand mm-hmm. for us and who's not? So I'm, I'm happy as heck that they're just uh, standing up and saying, "Here I am. I'm a corrupt politician. Bye bye. You know, <laughs> see me now. You know, here I am." So instead of hiding in the shadows like they've been doing for four years, now we know who is and isn't. And the cabinet member who resigned is Mitch McConnell's wife, right? Mm-hmm. So. The idea that she well, and Betsy DeVos as well is questionable because her her family, her father is, I think, has a shipping or some kind of transportation company that operates within communist China, and a big one. I mean, this guy is very wealthy, very well connected with the Chinese Communist Party. Why is she on the cabinet? Why is Mitch McConnell? He couldn't. Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden could not get top security clearance if they were in the military, and yet they're running our country. Wh- how can that be? Why, why is that okay? Why was this woman on the cabinet to begin with? But you know, it probably had something to do with some deal with McConnell. I mean, I'm, th- these, are, these are my suppositions, but you know, we'll, we'll find out if they're born out later, but I, I don't think this is a stretch. <laughs> I just don't think this is a big stretch. To believe that there was some, I mean, there was some deal done that she ended up being on the cabinet to begin with. Because wasn't she on Obama's cabinet? I don't know. Let me. I'll. Uh... She, she was high up somewhere in the okay. Department of Transportation or something with Obama, I believe. Or, okay. Or labor or something. Let me. I'll just transportation or labor. I'll take a look here and see what I can find out. Uh, she previously was the Secretary of Labor under George Bush. Oh, George Bush. Okay. 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 Not much difference there, but <laughs> when, you, when we look back, I was I was a big supporter of, of Bush. I thought uh, I was you know, too. I thought he was great, but until you, after the fact, when you start finding stuff out, and you kind of go, "Whoa, I didn't know about that." 
wow, I didn't think about that. Look what's happening now. Okay, Jill, yeah. just, just to, I, some of the things that we're talking about here, people may go, wait a minute. But you research significantly. Uh, and yes. and the things, you're coming to these conclusions, you've, you can back these up, right? You, you've done the research on this. I'm not, uh, okay, we'll put that in perspective. A lot of this, and I keep saying it over and over, I am saying this is my opinion. I believe, okay? Okay. So that's number one. I am not a witness in a court of law, okay? That takes a whole other level. What I'm saying is this is what I believe. This is what a lot of people believe. I'm getting my information from documents, documentaries um, of, of people who have done the research. Um, in whom you trust, obviously. People who have done the research, mm-hmm. yes. Peter Schweitzer has done a boatload of research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm on this stuff. Uh, the conspiracy of silence. There are so many examples of corruption and blackmail compromising. So, so the, the word, he's been compromised, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we know that the, this is what, what Eric, Eric Swalwell was having sex with a woman who turned out to be a Chinese spy. And she was having sex with quite a few people in Washington, apparently. And he's he was on. What a, was it? Uh, uh, Diane Feinstein, wasn't it? Diane Feinstein's uh, driver. Uh, driver was a Chinese spy. I mean, is this really a stretch? So what I'm saying is not a stretch. Sex is used. Blackmail is used. People are compromised and locked into positions of where, where where the decisions that they make no longer have anything to do with the American people. It has to do with covering their own rear ends or actually overtly or subvertly or inadvertently working for a foreign government, doing things that benefit someone other than the American people. The American people, right. Right, right. So how much information did this woman get from Eric, Eric Swalwell? How much information did that driver get from Diane Feinstein that was passed on? How many Harvard professors, you know, how many, I think there have been, I don't know, over a dozen, I think there have been over three dozen college professors around our country that had contracts with the Chinese Communist Party. They were being paid by China for their access to their research. And they didn't disclose this to the United States government. So they were doing work for the U.S. government and at the same time being paid by China. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a stretch, folks. This is, this is just business as usual. I mean, it's kind of, this has been going on for since sex started. You know, I mean, you know, people have used sex to compromise people for a long for century. Mm-hmm. Why do we think that this is any big deal? You know, anything, anything earth-shattering. But we wonder why politicians don't vote the way we want when all of this is going on. And you do hear about it once in a while. But, Jill, people of that high a character, I'm, I'm going back to the founders who were willing to put it all on the line to pass on liberty to the next generation 
those people are seem like they're few and far between in America today. And if they and if they make it to Congress, they're not allowed to survive for very long. Um, they don't they don't get positions of power. Uh, well, and obviously the party. Look at AOC. She overtly has tried to, and in some cases I think successfully, primaried congressmen because they weren't liberal enough for her. So members of Congress in the same party will purposely push out another congressman in the next election if because they're not playing ball. And that's what happened. We lost all the blue dog Democrats. How? They didn't want to vote for Obamacare. They made us think about it. They objected to it. They were troublemakers. And what happened to every one of them? They were primaried out. They were primaried out. That's just that's just plain fact. That's just there. There are there are like no blue dog Democrats left in Congress because of the Democrats themselves. What about Joe Manchin? Isn't wouldn't you consider him a a blue dog Democrat? I don't think there are any. Okay. He may he may pretend to be. Okay. But uh, and and I I've, I've gotten that from several other sources that say no, there aren't any blue dog Democrats. And those guys aren't even like Fox News. There aren't any blue dog Democrats anymore. Okay. It's just a level. Everything's relative, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, relative to AOC, he might seem like a blue dog, right. but he's not like the blue dogs that there used to be. Right. The Democrat Party isn't the Democrat Party that it used to be. No, not at all. So everything, you know, when, when it comes to that, everything's relative. Okay. Let's talk about a little bit about Peter Schweitzer. I recommend everybody. There was a great, great lecture that he did at Hillsdale College. That is, I'm a YouTube junkie, so I just watch stuff on YouTube all the time. Getting and they're mostly, you know, documentaries or lectures that these people have done at different schools, things like that. Um, Peter Schweitzer talked about the insider trading. He wrote a book, Throw Them All Out, and he's written several books: the Clinton Cash, um, the, about the Clinton Foundation. And he has done great research into money changing hands and how all this works. So Congress is the only there a congressperson is the only person in the United States that is allowed legally to perform insider trading, to participate in insider trading. So let's say a congressman um, or a group of Congress people present legislation that will pit, or this is going to have, uh, we're going to build a highway or a bridge here. Well, son of a gun, um, who owns the land on either side of that bridge? Or who ends up owning land on either side of that bridge but the congressmen themselves? So they're passing legislation, and this happens at the state level a lot as well. There's going to be a new airport. Oh, gee, guess who forms a company and buys all of the land at the areas where they're considering, or at least one area where they're considering the new airport and son of a gun, the airport gets put on that land, and son of a gun, that congressperson or house representative or whatever makes millions of dollars on it. Okay, so that happens all the time. They pass legislation or they hear something in their committee meetings that's going to happen. Uh, well, Kelly Loeffler supposedly made uh, 2 or $3 million worth of stock trades after she was briefed in the Senate on uh, COVID and what was going to happen with COVID. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, really, is this? So Martha Stewart goes to prison, but and Hillary Clinton with her, what was it, a ten thousand dollar investment that turned into 
you know, a million dollars or something. And I don't know the exact, I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact numbers. But, you know, that sort of thing happens all the time. And, and in Congress, it seems to be okay. That's how they can make their millions. They also pass what Peter Schweitzer describes as milker bills and double milker bills. Milker as in M-L-I-K-E-R to, you know, like milking the system. Mm-hmm. So they will present legislation that will potentially harm the profits or somehow inconvenience the uh, at one industry. Let's say, uh, um, I don't know, Microsoft. Let's, let's say the, the tech industry would be impacted, like Microsoft, uh, when they were talking about some monopoly legislation for Microsoft. So they're saying, well, we're going to, we're going to, have anti um, monopoly or I can't antitrust anti antitrust legislation or, or some suit against Microsoft for antitrust. So Microsoft goes to Congress and donates a whole bunch of money to a whole bunch of different campaigns in order for this legislation to be shot down by the by the congressman. Right? Okay. That's the game. That's the game. It's called milker bills. How much fundraising is actually accomplished this way? And then there's a double milker bill. So you present a piece of legislation that pits one industry against another. So now you get donations from both of those industries. And you kind of go, oh, okay, I guess I won't consider this legislation after all. has nothing to do, and and it may be, that there's a really good reason. It, there may be a really good reason why we wouldn't, why we'd want this legislation to pass. But, and if there's a good reason, then why is it taken away at the time when, <laughs> after they make a bunch of, after they get a bunch of donations from these industries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter Schweitzer has it all really well documented in his books. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, it seems weird. So when uh, when I was working with one of the congressmen um, in Colorado, I can't remember. We worked on some project, and I can't I can't remember the exacts of, of but it was it was some project, or I helped him out with something in Obamacare, and um, and then it, I can't remember. Anyway, I took him a bo- I, I took him I wanted to take him a bottle of wine for his his birthday is coming up, so I was going to take him a bottle of wine. I got, like, interrogated. What is this about? You're giving a bottle of wine. How much was that worth? What? No, it can't be worth more than $30. I'm like, oh, well, that's good, because I was brand new to all this, right? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, that's kind of cool that they can't take that. Really? They can't take a bottle of wine worth more than $30 as a gift for their birthday, but they can do all this insider trading, milker bills, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, don't try to play. Don't try to tell me that they're this honest, we're not taking any money. Oh, no, I can't take campaign contributions more than this. When somebody's spending $800 million on a campaign for Senate. Okay, you bring that up then. Campaign finance. Oh, God. Uh, Feingold and McCain passed. Their, that was their bill. And yeah. I submit to you that it is an affront on free speech. Because in yeah. essence, what they have done is they have constricted 
everyday people's voices through their who they want to contribute to. And, and of course, they dox them with all of the different reports that are out there. But yet, on the other hand, what you've just mentioned, there's all this stuff going on, the milker bills and all, all of that. So when people say that they want to get money out of politics, they basically want to get the small person's voice out of politics is what I think it is, Jill. Exactly. Exactly. And they want to be able to, let's face it, it's a form of money laundering. These super PACs, who's really contributing money to these things? You know, you talk about Clinton Foundation getting hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars from all these foreign countries. Well, we know only 10% of their money went to helping anybody. We know that uh, Haiti is, was furious with the Clinton Foundation because they got a bunch of money from all of these countries to help people, supposedly help people in Haiti, and the, ha- the Haitians didn't see any of it. Weird things were built, like middle-class housing <laughs> projects. <laughs> that money was used to help fund these middle-class housing projects that somebody that had donated to Clinton Foundation actually had the contract made it made a ton of money off of housing developments for middle class people not for the haitians that were displaced during the hurricane or during the earthquake (laughs) it went to somebody that didn't even need it but it padded somebody's pocket who had given a bunch of money to the clintons right okay it's this kind of roll around and you you watch clinton cash uh clinton cash peter schweitzer again Another one of his books, there was, uh, didn't Dinesh D'Souza do, do Clinton Cash, or was that Breitbart? Uh, uh, I think, I think it, was it was D'Souza. Breitbart. Okay, I'm not I sure. I can't remember. Okay. It, was one of the, it was one of the two um, that, that did a, a movie of, on this Peter Schweitzer thing. I haven't seen that, that film, but I've, Peter Schweitzer you know, gives his talks on Clinton Cash, and I highly recommend. He talks about, and, it, and it's, it's essentially a money laundering operation. Now, understand that these are all things that Trump is trying to get rid of. When he says drain the swamp, this is the stuff he's talking about going after. This, how, how they use money and how they, I'm going to get it from here, but I'm going to put it into this nonprofit, and then this nonprofit can give this money back over into my campaign. Or you can donate only this much money to my campaign, but you can donate monstrous amounts of money that go to here, here, and they end up at the DNC. It's money laundering. Just call it what it is. Um, it's uh, but again, Peter Schweitzer is a great Peter Schweitzer, Dinesh D'Souza, um, the old Breitbart. Breitbart is changing, um, but Steve Steve Bannon uh, did some great stuff with all of this. It's not a secret, and it, it, but it doesn't it make you afraid to say those words. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it make you afraid? to play this podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> you because you're kind of like, I'm going to get in big trouble if we, if we use these words. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to wake up and call things what they are. If we're going to take back our country, folks, you need to open your eyes. And, you know, I'm having my eyes opened every day. But right now, there is the ugliness that goes on in politics and Washington with these people, it's hard to imagine that this much evil could be thriving in our country. But well, Jill, I, there's, believe, I believe that it is. There's a couple of different ways to make money. 
And one of them is the American idea. There, you work hard, you create something, a product or a service, and you trade value for value. And if you do that well, you can become wealthy, create jobs, great. The other way is thievery. And in the old days, the bad guys would ride into town with weapons and they'd take your stuff and they'd ride back out of town. And we knew that that was thievery. Today, it's a lot more subtle. They ride into town with rules and regulations and fees and taxes to take your property. And many times they do that under the guise of, we're helping you, this is a good cause, whatever. But it's still thievery. It's taking your property. Uh, and, um, and then these people have gotten wealthy off of it. So they've gotten wealthy by taking your property and as you say, some lots of different ways that this can come back to them. But they and, and just look at it. I mean, my gosh, Joe Biden has multiple houses, but yet he's been in government for 47 years. Gosh, a public servant, a public servant. How does that work? It shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that something was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I, I would say that it's much bigger, much, much bigger than the individuals. Look at this. Look at how much money was spent on this last campaign. Remember when Obama, it was a big deal that it was going to be a billion dollars spent for the first time up to a billion dollars spent on a campaign. Mm -hmm. And what did we have? Did we have almost a billion dollars spent on McConnell's congressional campaign alone? Mm -hmm. Where does that money come from? You're telling me, you're telling me that that many, oh yeah, Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg, they are, they are that wealthy. Uh, George Soros, everybody says everything's on George Soros. I wouldn't doubt that he is the one dispersing the cash that they bring in from God knows where. But there is a lot more money than individuals. I don't care if they're multi-billionaires. When you're talking about that much money spent on a single senatorial campaign in one election year, that money is coming from somewhere else. What... This seems daunting, Jill. What we've laid out here is is it all is, is all lost. Take a couple of different podcasts because yeah. the next thing we need to talk about is the central bank and the central banking system. Nobody knows about it. Nobody understands it. I am starting to understand it, but in in looking, I'm, I'm reading a ton of books on central bank. Um, there's a great book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Because Jekyll Island is where this third central bank, the Federal Reserve, which is not federal, it's not a reserve, where this was started in 1913. The central bank, you want to talk about big bucks. Now you can talk about every time Congress passes legislation that is giving people something or costing our country billions or trillions of dollars. Where, how does that go? Why would they do that if they didn't benefit from it somehow? When they give, like this last COVID uh, legislation, so the American people get 600 bucks a piece. But as Trump laid out, 
eighty billion dollars, hundred billion dollars, two hundred or hundred million, two hundred million, blah blah blah. Go to all of these countries that, when you look at them, it's like most of them are corrupt countries, right. corrupt regi- regimes. Why are we giving money, especially at this moment in time, to these countries? Why are we giving any money to a, to a foreign country instead of to the American people right now? And every time they do that, it's ringing up debt, more debt, more debt. So the central bank prints more money. It deflates our currency. Our dollars as Americans are worth less and less and less and less every minute. Well, and that is another and, form and of the central the- bank. The cent- this, and the central bankers, the private, the private individuals that are the Federal Reserve, that are the central bank, right? These are private individuals. They make boatloads of money off of the interest of every dollar that our Congress spends that we have to back up as taxpayers. Now, where is that money? Where is all the interest that those central bankers are making personally? How much of that is going right back into the Democrat National Committee, Republican National Committee, or even individuals? That's my question. This is my opinion. This is my suspicion. But when you're talking about this much money being spent on hiring Antifa, BLM, all of the different little side uh, nonprofits and organizations that supposedly George Soros has his fingers in all around the country and the world, where are they getting all this money? That's the question. It's It's not from my Amazon order. Okay? It's not from my Amazon order. It's not from Facebook ads. Okay? That's my question. That's the question I'm raising. I don't know it for sure. I highly suspect it, given the... And look at how quickly those numbers have just exploded. We thought it was a big deal when Obama's campaign was going to be a billion dollars. Now, no big deal. That's We were way past that. It's crazy. And yet Trump spent a fraction of what Hillary did, and he <laughs> and he became president. Okay. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Anyway, I'm just I, I I'm saying I'm raising the question: Where is all this money coming from? And if it weren't for McCain fine gold, I I don't think we'd be having a lot of this stuff. Right. I know. I know. <laughs> overwhelming isn't it (laughs) yeah it is it is overwhelming and i like to try to keep these podcasts because there's so much information but sometimes when i look at a podcast if it's over an hour it's like ah i can't so let's let's wrap this one up uh and we will continue the conversation don't give up hope right we are americans do not give up hope it does look daunting but we can't give up hope jill you know what it's our country and if Either you, either you fight or you don't. If not, now when? You know, this is our last chance. We, you know, now that we're waking up, we have to push ahead and uh, do what we can, whatever we can, however we can. We need to use art of war, just like Donald Trump did. We need to use art of war, be stealthy, not just stand there and shake our fists and, and run for city council. Because if they can if they can fix a presidential election and a senatorial election, this effectively, this in your face, this blatantly, there will never be another fair election. 
and they'll go down to they can go down to the county level. It'll take them you know, within four years. They'll have they'll have all this fixed. There won't be another Republican governor. I mean, it's crazy, or or whoever they choose. So I, you know, it, it, it's it's now or never, in my opinion. And um, if if we, this is the last. This is the last place to be. Where else are you going to go? So it's worth fighting for. And the divine provider has had his hand on this country from the beginning. And it was everyday people, farmers and merchants, that thought about this idea, this, this, given by God, that we are all created equal. We acknowledge we are all created equal in the eyes of God and that we have these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And those that want to take that away from everyday people, we need to stand. So one of the first things is is to understand what is going on. Do not become disheartened, but have conversations in challenging these narratives. And you can only really challenge when you understand what's going on. And that's one of the reasons why this is such an important podcast. Your final thought, Jill. I think we can... Whether or not we can fix this, I don't know. The most important thing is, because, but at the same time, we're Americans. If, there's a, if there is a fix, we'll find it, right? Patriotic Americans, people who love this country, who want it to succeed, we'll, we will find a way to fix it. But first, we have to educate ourselves and understand how extensive, expansive, nasty, corrupt this system really is. You need to wake yourself up, understand what you're dealing with. How can, how, can you, how can you hope to clean up a system that you don't understand? Right, right. Okay, so while we are shedding light on that uh, through these podcasts. We'll schedule another one to continue this conversation. Dr. Jill Vecchio, this is such important information. You, you not only just do a tremendous amount of research, but you can connect the dots Uh, for people that is so important. So thank you so much for joining this Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. Thanks so much, Kim. I apologize to all your listeners if they're horrified. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, welcome to my world. (laughs) Stay tuned, though, and do not give up hope. So Jill, we'll get another one scheduled. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. My friends, thank you so much for joining our Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. And God bless you. God bless America. Let's go to work. Let's pray. We are Americans. We've got work to do. Thank you.